Do you tell your clients that you work in partnership? What evidence do you have to reassure them that that statement is in fact true? What are the qualities of a good partnership? Do your team possess the skills required to forge strong win-win relationships built on trust, transparency, comfort with change and interdependence and a focus on the future? Partnering with your clients should be more than just a statement, more than something that you simply say on your website. It should be lived in the values, the attitudes, the behaviours and the skills within your teams and consistently demonstrated in your most important customer relationships. In today's episode of Camcast, I'm joined by the man who wrote the book on selling through partnering skills, literally. Fred Copestake is the founder of Brindis Sales Training Consultancy, and he spent the last 22 years traveling the world to develop salespeople in over 200 companies to move from the transactional selling styles of yesteryear into the collaborative selling styles of today and shaping the business partners of the future. We'll be discussing PQ, partnering intelligence, what that is, what the qualities that we should be developing and demonstrating in our key account relationships. We'll talk about the three biggest challenges that senior leaders will see as they look at their sales teams. We'll talk about getting comfortable with serving the customer whilst working with them as equals with mutual trust and respect and what the future of selling could look like in this fast-moving and ever-changing marketplace we work in. Welcome to CamCast. I'm your host, David Ventura, a key account management consultant at camguru.com. In this podcast, we explore the strategies, systems, and skills you need for effective key account management. We talk to expert guests and business leaders, sharing the tips, tactics, and techniques for looking after your most important customers. This is Key Account Management Made Easy. So I think in the world of personal development, actually, it's really, really lovely when you meet a true comrade on a bit of a shared mission. And my mission, as listeners know, is to build and develop a world of business partners of the future who can work in that collaborative way selling in the key account management space. And Fred, I'm going to use some of your words now to create a world where good people do good things in a good way. And for me, that really does sit at the heart of becoming the profitable partner with our most important customers. So Fred Copestake, welcome to Camcast. And thank you so much for joining us on the show today. No, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit about you and your your story, I guess. What, what, what got you into the world that you work in today? See, I know because we were chatting just before what story you want, don't you? <laughs> it, it was a leading question. <laughs> you want to know about my first job in a Victorian mill. I do. I do. <laughs> Tell me about the Victorian mill and particularly the oversized uniform slash outfit that you were given to wear that day. <laughs> So I'm really going to have to put this in context before it's like classed as child abuse because I was eight years old as well, you know. <laughs> Start them young no. up there. Start them young. Oh, no. So so what it was, so the family, there's a family business, which was Builders Merchants, and it was based in this big old Victorian water mill. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what it was. And the various parts of it were set up to be the kitchen store, the tile store, the cement store, what have you. And every every Boxing Day, there was a sale. And when I was eight years old, I was allowed to go along and help in this. 
you know. <laughs> so this is cool. I was really happy with this. And they said, well, you know, you're going to need the uniform. So they gave me the uniform. And like the company color was orange. So they gave me this massive orange polo shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really big because it was like for an adult, obviously. I remember those brown warehouse coast things. Yeah. 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 One of those as well. Sleeves well over. You know, kitted me out looking like a little scarecrow. And then said, right, off you go. And you're going to be in the tile store. Yeah, so you're going to help people choose tile remnants, put them in a box, price them up, do whatever. So off I toddled into this thing, you know. And this tile store, it's you know, Victoria Mill is made of stone. It's December, so it's stone cold in literally there. Speaking, literally, yeah. 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 But it was brilliant. I was having such a laugh because all I was doing was talking to people, showing them where stuff was, helping them choose things. Yeah, putting them in a box, writing up a little chip, and off they would go. And you know, I was just talking to people and having fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, and you know, I, I eventually learned this is what sales is. <laughs> well, okay, I'll have a bit more of that then. Particularly because I got I got a commission as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I told you that. Did I? I don't think I don't think I knew that you got a commission. That's great. <laughs> they didn't tell me to write the chit out and put my name on it, but yeah. I was doing. And they found this so funny that I was claiming the sales that they gave me a little commission. Yeah, based on the thing, or whatever, which I obviously invested wisely. Brilliant. Sweets, I think it was. Some blackjacks or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was, but honestly, that that's why I first started getting involved in sales because yeah. I didn't even realize it was. You're talking to people, you're helping them out, you're having fun. And yeah, the family business, that was always there in the background. So I've always got a bit of a commercial thing and it, it was just interesting to me. You know, university did commerce and Spanish and went off to Spain for a year and <laughs> yeah, that's supposed to be work. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, sorry, if mum and dad are listening, <laughs> I worked terribly hard. <laughs> Fred- Actually, they know I played more rugby there than I did probably work. But, you know, really, it was in the blood. It's talking to people, helping them do what it is that they're trying to do anyway. That's selling for me. And it just, yeah. it's, it's good laugh. And the thing that I love the most about that story, actually, is that one of the reasons that you enjoyed it so much is you didn't know what you were doing. So you couldn't get into your head, if you like, about, you know, what's my target here? What am I trying to achieve? How am I going to do it? You just, as you said, you just got on, you had fun, you talked to people, you helped them, you you used some of that innate character that you had as a child and as uh, the, the qualities of your personality to just get on with it. And then I fast forward then for most of us in our adult years where we do overthink it and we do start to think, well, actually, you know, sales isn't just about having fun anymore. It's actually I'm being given a target by my boss and I'm being told you've got to go and get this. Otherwise, actually, you know, you're going to go on a performance improvement plan or we're not going to make enough money this month or whatever it might be. But but there's the, the, the point I'm making, there's added pressure in the adult world. You know, you can't just go and have fun and, and meet people. So you start to forget some of that innate skill set that you used to do so naturally without thinking about it. And many of the business leaders that that, that I talk to, how do we put this? They, 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 they're assessing their sales teams, they're assessing their account managers, and they're seeing many of the same challenges within their teams that they'd probably see in any industry. And all businesses will tell you our industry is different, it's unique, and what we do is very you know, different to anyone else. And actually, the reality is that most businesses are very, very similar. I know you've got sort of three big pressures, three big challenges that you see within sales teams and account managers that you work with. Tell us a bit about those sort of three different types of sales account managers that you might find in today's working world. Sure. I mean, 
I've, I've been blessed in, in in my career, if you like, because I've travelled a lot. You know, I've, I've been around the world a load of times, worked in thirty six countries, and I've worked with lots and lots of salespeople. I mean, mm. I sort of stopped trying to count it; I got to about ten thousand or something. And it's in different sectors. You know, people selling ingredients, people selling trucks, people selling widgets, people selling software, people selling IT, just lots of different areas. But when you boil it down, you would see the similar things going on. So these are kind of like my catch-all categories. And, and when you start talking to most salespeople, most account managers, you'll see them nodding. Because I'll say to them, which of these three affect you most? Well, I'm not going to say which one they come out with. I'll just tell you what they are, yeah? Yeah. So I categorize them as busy, 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 mm-hmm. oldie-worldie, and muddled mindset. Right. Right? So the busy, busy, busy is about, you know, when salespeople are running around, they're doing lots and lots of stuff, being really, really active. You know, they're kind of nonstop working hard. They're doing loads and loads of things. They sometimes don't really know where they're coming or going. Yeah. And that's the problem. They don't. It's ineffective. It's not actually delivering the results that they're there to do. But the activity seems to become the important thing and this kind of presenteeism and doing all these things. And it's just running around pointlessly. And it's it's tiring, yeah. And also it's stressful. You know, it's it's putting people under this pressure that we don't really need to do, yeah. You know, and, and a massive waste of time, really, because we're not getting the results. So, you know, maybe some people <laughs> can resonate with that. Definitely the busyness. I, I think I often say to people, you know, are you working in busyness or business? And the two are very different things. And I think we're we're all guilty sometimes of being dragged into the the busyness of today or this month's targets. Yeah, and. Another one that I see, and, and these, I think there is a link between these actually, that I call it oldie worldy, mm. you know, like the oldie worldy sweetie shoppy, because <laughs> it's people doing things from a bygone era, mm. you know, and it, it could be naive. It could be that they're trying to be manipulative actually, and they think that some of those old techniques still work. Yeah. I mean, that, that poor practice, I think there's no place for whatsoever. Mm. You know, you should, really should be focusing on the things that make a difference now. But I think sometimes it's just a bit naivety, and, and people don't really know how to do stuff well. And then it manifests itself in people being too self-centered. Yeah. So they talk about themselves. They talk about their product. They talk about their service. They talk about the company. They're really excited about all these things. And quite often it's, it's passion. It's because they, they, they like who they work for and they find that stuff interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, customers don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they find themselves interesting as well, funnily enough. You know, mm-hmm. So people have that self-centeredness. And another variation of it that I get is when particularly if people are selling something too technical, so, you know, it might be a technical service. It could be a product, you know, and they get right down into that detail. And they get fascinated with that technicality of the product. And again, some customers love that as well, but most like, I don't really care. It's yeah. what it's doing for me here. That's why I'm talking to you. That's what I'm wanting to get. So sort of get out of that, that, that level of technicality, mm. you know, because people used to do that and it probably was considered good selling, mm. but we know it's just not now, you know, it's mm. oldie worldy style. When you're saying that I'm, it, I'm sort of imagining, if you like, someone just literally pitching at you, not with you. It's that sort of, you know, I'm going to present you everything there is to know about my product. And probably the first slide on my slide deck in the presentation (laughs) says a bit about us. And it says, you know, we were founded in 1878 and and, uh, this person was our our founder. and, And the customer is sitting there yawning and thinking, I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> I want to know what, what it does for me, right? They're right. I, I, people often say to me, um, if we're sort of doing a bit of research or whatever, they'll say, do you want to see the company presentation? Mm. And my response now is usually, does it have a map of the world with dots all over it in the first four slides? 
Look at yeah, it does. How do you know that? That's well, just a lucky guess. Um, <laughs> which of course it's not. It's just yeah. that you pretty much told me exactly how you're selling because of that. Because mm. I'll also know the next slide after that is logos. Yeah, it's the NASCAR slide. Mm. You know, and the founder's story and all of this stuff. And it's like, yeah, we need we need to flip this. And that, that's yeah. kind of one of the answers because there's answers to overcome all these all these solutions. So that's yeah. kind of, it's our job to work that out, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Um, and then, then the other one we've got, the sort of the third one, we've got busy, 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 oldie, worldy, and then muddled mindset. And, and the way this one kind of presents, <laughs> it's supposed to be like an illness, isn't it? But this one presents. <laughs> what are the symptoms? That, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they are. Is that it, basically what you'll see is the poor salesperson doesn't know if they're coming or going. Mm. Again, a little bit like the muddled, the, the, the oldie, worldy, uh, and the, the busy, 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 but it's, it's caused by something else. And I think this comes from top down because what happens is the organization says, we are we sell consultatively. We're a solution sales organization. We focus on the customers. You know, we do the things you know for the people that we want to work with. Yeah, and that's all well and good for sort of 27, 28 days of the month. But then we get to the end of the month, and it's a actually, you know what? Get out and sell a load of tap. <laughs> and the salesperson is going, "Hang on a minute, you've just asked me to become completely transactional. Mm. Am I consultative? Am I transactional? I don't really know what's going on here." Yeah, and. Well, of course, it, it just happens in this cycle. And so the salesperson says, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do because you're telling me that, but then you're going to tell me that. Hang on, what's going on? Yeah. You know, yeah. the managers are then, well, you're telling me I've got a coach, but do I coach them to be consultive or do I coach them to look at the spreadsheet and see what number they should be on mm. at any given mm. time of the day? Mm. You know, and it, it's just incredibly confusing. The salesperson doesn't know what they should do with the best intent. Yeah. So, Again, it, it's stuff that can be fixed, but you do you do see this kind of muddled mindset where they, they don't know if they're coming or going, and it's uh, again that contributes to the stress and the sort of just pressure we heap on salespeople and account managers. <laughs> Camcast, key account management made easy. So I'm listening to those, thinking I can think of teams that that we work with where I can see all three, you know, in different areas, and sometimes all three in the same team. And in the same yep. person sometimes at different times of the day, uh, I can see all of those challenges. You, you said that there's, you know, one of this, the most common or, or the, 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 the biggest issue right now. Wh- which one is it? Which, what are you seeing the most of? Well, normally I will say to somebody as I'm explaining them, just tell me which one it is. Mm. And when I said busy, 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 by it being ineffective, it's got all these things. Go, yes, it's that one. I said, well, just hang on a minute. And then we'll go to the next one, an oldie world. And so they go, oh, no, we do that too. No, it's that one as well. Yeah, and then I say the middle of mine, so they go, "Oh no!" And someone said to me, "I've struck out. I'm all three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and more often than not, it's people will see elements of all of them because there is that link between them. Yeah. So you, you, maybe busy, busy, busy is the one that you see the most because it's easiest to spot. But yeah. actually, when somebody just steps back and reflects, and you know, it's our job to help them do that, mm. they'll say, "Yeah, it's just all of them." To be fair, <laughs> they're all contributing to the fact we're not doing things as well as we could be doing. And, and I'm, we're thinking about this at the moment through a, a team lens. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, sales and account managers on my team. And, of course, on the other side of the seesaw, we've got the customer. And they're going to have people that are busy, busy, busy. And maybe you don't want to give us the time uh, to talk about the issues and challenges that we know are important and that we know we can add value to. Um, but perhaps it's not high on their list and they've got other things that are on their on their priorities. They might be in an oldie-worldie uh, mindset and space uh, that day where they're too busy thinking about the way we've always done it rather than the way things could be done. And they've got that model mindset where their priorities and the clarity from their management is shifting and changing every day. So you've got this on both sides 
of the fence. What 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 are you what are you noticing? So the work that you do with with people at the moment for and in within their existing customer bases, you know, what what are the best ways to I guess spot some of these mindsets in our customers so that we know what we're dealing with, you know? Some of them will pre- present themselves a little bit more obviously. But there might be some nuances in the way that we can establish you know, what kind of character we're dealing with within the customer. Is, 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 do, you, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, it, 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 that's right. Because because what will happen is a customer will be busy, busy, busy. They'll get absorbed in the stuff that they're trying to do to get themselves out of the hole. you know. And so they will sort of just cease all communication because they're trying to fix their stuff. Mm. which is, again, a bit of an indictment to the salesperson because they're not being perceived as somebody that can actually come in and fix their stuff. Mm-hmm. Because they're thinking, well, no, I'm going to return to type. So I'm going to look at all the things that I did before that worked in the past to solve my problem. Yeah. So they're getting absorbed in all that kind of thing. And, of course, they're not bringing the salesperson in because they're thinking, all you're going to do is come and show me those logos again. And there might be a new one, but I know you work with that person. You told me that last time because it's the same presentation you've given Mm -hmm. me. You're going to show me that exploded diagram of whatever it is that you sell. And that's actually not even what I'm looking for, you know. And, yes, I know you've got the biggest factory in Brazil, but we are based here in Nottingham. So it's not so relevant to us. So, you know, they, they, they kind of do that. And then, yeah, customers it's not those huge amounts of people on project teams doing lots and lots of stuff people are stretched thinly aren't they and it's like that's the most important project now yeah. until the next most important project is the most important project yeah and it's like, well, which product is most important well both of them well one can't be the most important and, and of course it is again incredibly confusing it's like i really don't know what to do here so yeah you, you would you probably recognize the same yeah. thing going on and yeah. you know <laughs> two wrongs don't make a right do they just make it a, a harder environment to operate in but equally, if you want to go the other way, it's one that somebody who knows what they're doing can, I'll use the words advisedly, but take advantage of, and not take advantage, of, but you know what I mean? They can explore rather than exploit, yeah. but they yeah. can use to say, look, let's all calm down here. I've got this. I can sort us all out, you know, and that kind of calm, confident approach with the structure of, look, this is going to help all of us here. Mm with somebody who's highly credible. You know, they understand the customer, they've got the credibility, capability to do it. You know, they're probably quite a decent boat to get on with as well. Mm. They will be, you know, a valuable resource that people want to talk to. And because what you're describing really is is at that level of just understanding each other and understanding each other so that we know what's going on in each other's worlds so that we can then adapt and, uh, yeah, take advantage of. But you, you, I know exactly what you mean by that. It doesn't sound like a nice term, but you're, you're absolutely right that we've got to <laughs> leverage that, utilise that moment, if you like, to get the best influence and impact. And, of course, all of that understanding and two-way relationship is at the heart of of, of partnering and, and creating that profitable partnership with our contacts and with our key customers. We talk about partnering and partnership as uh, an outcome, and in order to get to that outcome and that relationship status, we've got to have, this is going to sound a little bit like a line from Taken now, but uh, a certain set of skills to, to get there, very particular set of skills. And <laughs> and those skills being partnering skills. And you wrote the book on partnering skills, selling through partnering skills. Tell us a bit more about about, about that and your work in you know the, the skills-based learning to get to the point that we're equipped and empowered and enabled to build partnerships with our customers? Sure. I mean, I came across partnering skills, PQ, if you like, but it's probably about four or five years ago now. And it just struck me that this stuff, these skills, which I didn't make up, you know, are, are, 
are relevant to every single salesperson. You don't have to be a partner manager. You don't have to work in channel. You don't have to be an account manager. Every single person who's got some kind of commercial sales element to them, mm -hmm. they should be looking at this. And, and it doesn't have to be that you are trying to form an alliance, a partnership officially. Because in some ways, you know, unofficially, if you're working with someone, if you're selling to them, there's a bit of partnership going on there. Yeah. Or if your mindset is to think like that, it will drive how you operate. It will you know, change your ethos mm -hmm. and the stuff that you're doing to sell, whether it's account manager, whether it's direct sales, whether it's whatever it is, it becomes better. You know, so these partnering skills, again, I didn't invent them. A guy called Steve Dent did a lot of research into this stuff back in the late 80s, early 90s, mm -hmm. where he was looking at the formal you know, alliances, you know, and the airlines are coming together and they're doing their thing to build the, the stuff. And they were saying, look, we want to do this better. Can you help us understanding what the skills need to partnership uh, for our businesses? And he, he looked at this and basically came back to them and said, well, organizations don't partner. People do. They are people skills. Yeah, And so these are the skills, the PQ elements that if you've got them, you will be better at forming those partnerships and ultimately your business alliances and you know, the way it works together will be better. They identified these six, these six things. And I say, when you look at them, if you're not thinking, well, actually, these I should be using in the way that I work with my customers, I'd suggest you're probably in the wrong job. <laughs> And, and that's why I, I took these, you know, I, I put them into the book saying, look, let's use these as our guide, as our ethos to help us become more collaborative in the way they work because collaboration or collaborative selling, for me, it's it's the way we need to be today. It's, it's, it's the latest evolution of sales. Yeah, because cause selling isn't something in today's world that you should be doing to someone. Selling is something that you do with someone and that's someone being the customer. Actually, it's less about how we sell and more about understanding how and why the customer wants to buy and then adapting our style our communications our preferences in order to get the most out of that interaction so i, I love the idea that actually selling in today's world is isn't about being consultative it's not about asking a question and then answering it it's about being collaborative and coming up with the solutions jointly um and and moving things forward together so tell us about the the elements of of pq yeah. then I'd, I'd love to hear about those yeah i mean so actually i'd say that consultative it's kind of one of the one of the tools you would use consultative questioning that so that you know i talked about the evolution of sales there's some things we want to keep and there's some things we want to throw away consultative questioning and understanding how to do that right time right place very much want to keep it but if we're doing whatever we need to do with these six elements we'll be on the right track yeah, so I'll go through them sequentially. <laughs> it's the only way I can speak. But um, but, you, yeah. but you've got to think of them all coming together and acting together. Yeah, because they're, they're they're sort of part and parcel of each other. Yeah. But the first the first one I always start on this one it makes most sense to me is trust. You know, I start on it because it's the foundation of relationships. It's what gives good communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we've got to build trust into all the things we do. If we start getting that stuff right, the others will start to become easier. You know, how can we sell without? trust it's just mm. it's not really going to happen mm. yeah so then we can talk about having a win-win focus mm -hmm. and you know we've we spoken about this in selling for ages haven't we you know so understanding what win is what it looks like yeah are we happy with deals customers happy with deals and are we always trying to move towards that yeah i mean do we even understand what it is for the other party sometimes we just forget it and by the way do we make sure that we do get our win as well because sometimes salespeople are so good at looking after the customer, they yeah. forget to look after themselves, their own organization. And you that is a lose-win situation, yeah. Which isn't clever either, yeah. So got trust, 
we've got win-win focus, and we've got this comfort with interdependence. Mm. Yeah, mm. not independence. You know, lots of salespeople in the past have been very independent. You know, lone wolf type type animals. But we've got to be interdependent. And again, I think this shows itself in a couple of ways. In that we've got to be comfortable. Our success is going to be dependent on other success. In other words, the customers. Yeah. But, you know, we were talking before we came on air about, you know, selling being a team sport. It's, you know, we've got people in our own organization that we're going to be dependent on them doing good stuff. They're going to be dependent on us doing our stuff. Yes, the customer, they've got to do stuff. They've got teams. They've got to do their stuff. Everyone's all got to play their part. Yeah. And again, being comfortable that that's how it is and that's what we need to work towards is going to help you sell better. Yeah. Yeah. I then talk about transparency. and. That's just a word that I use because it's easier to remember. But Steve Dent spoke about self-disclosure and feedback. And that's for me what transparency means. So it's about not expecting the customer to be a mind reader and know what it is you need and want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're not feeling right about something or if you know, there's something that, that should be done, you've got to tell them. You've mm -hmm. got to be able to talk about yourself and you know, your expectations, your needs. Yeah, and that's, again, it's part of a good relationship. Mm -hmm. Equally, you've got to be comfortable to give feedback. And if people aren't doing what they said they would do, yeah, if they're not playing their part, you know, part of the interdependence, if you like, again, you've got to give the feedback. You've got to call it out. Yeah. And, and then, you know, we see in salespeople sometimes, don't we, going, oh, no, you can't go and say that to the customer. No, not only you, know, you should, you must. That is yeah. part of your job. It's like, you know, yeah. you're expecting all these things to happen. But if you're not doing your part of the deal, then it's, it's not going to. So, you know, we said we're going to operate this way. You're not doing it. Come on. You know, takes two to tango here. Do you think Do you think part of that is a fear around how – so sometimes I think feedback can be difficult because we just don't know how to put it. Or we've often been on the receiving end of really poor feedback that doesn't feel like feedback. It just feels like a judgment or, a, or criticism because feedback can sometimes be you know, negative. And if it's not constructive, it's just criticism. It's, I'm, you know, having a go at you. Is that? Do you think that's why people fear feedback because they don't know how to deliver it? I, I think that's one part of it. I think the other part of it is not not really understanding relationships as well as you probably could. And I'm talking yeah. about it's a business relationship here, and it's actually where transactional analysis is quite useful. And that you kind of have a bit of a parent-child relationship in that, oh, the yeah. customer, then the parent, I can't upset them. I'm going to displease them if I say something to them that they don't like. No, it's an adult-adult relationship. You know, we've said we're going to work on this stuff together. You're going to do this. I'm going to do this. You're not doing this part. You know, the, the customer is king. I mean, that's stupid advice, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've got to look after them. We've got to respect them, but we've got to respect ourselves. Mm. And if actually we let something go, which means that we're not going to do what we can do, and ultimately they're not going to get what they want, mm. well, again, you know, it's it's part of a, of our prerogative to to be in a position to say, look, this is this is what's going on here. Be yeah. grown up about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's a bit of the <laughs> the relationship, the you know, classic relationship builder who only does that and is a bit subservient. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily get that. Yeah. yeah. It's not being aggressive. It's not saying, hey, you haven't done this, David. Come on, pull your finger out. It's like, well, okay, you don't have to be like that. But it's just, you know, let's let's discuss about what we're trying to do here and you know who's doing what and what's happening, what's what isn't. It's, and it's interesting that you mentioned about not wanting to become the servant because so there is a conception and, and rightly so that sales is a service industry you know actually we are there to serve the customer and there is a difference between serving the customer and becoming a servant or yeah. 
you know, being submissive. Yeah. There, there is a difference, isn't there? A big time. I said subservient. You're not subservient. And I'm actually, I'm quite comfortable being a servant. Quite comfortable being a servant. Mm. Servant leader. Yeah. Different thing. Yeah. Mr. You're Mr. Carson quite, in the Downton Abbey no, world. I, I, <laughs> yeah. No, but no, I like I like the concept of servant leadership. You know, yeah. it's been it's been around a long time. Robert Greenleaf talks a lot about this, and a salesperson can play that role. Mm. You know, I, I'm quite happy to talk about. Yeah, I say sales because key account management is a similar thing. Yeah, you can lead people. I'm totally comfortable with salespeople, key account managers leading customers. Mm. And I hear people go, "Oh, that's not very modern, Fred." You said you were about 2020 selling. You're talking about 1980 stuff. I said no. Not manipulating, not Maybe, trying to twist them yeah. into the position we want, but sometimes taking them by the hand and saying, look, this is where we need to go. Mm-hmm. Because you probably don't know. You probably never buy the stuff that I'm selling you or you know, work with these kind of things because it's just it, it's an abnormal purchase. Mm-hmm. But this is my world. Mm-hmm. Let me guide you through it. The guide is probably a better word, but lead gets a better reaction. <laughs> I, I, I like the, I like the, the the language around leading there because you know we are leaders in our own rights, and you know the very definition of of leading is to have such an important message that people want to follow you. You know, you, you're you're there to to cre- create followers, and actually we want our customers to walk with us, come with us. You know, and that and that's so li- it is it is leadership. Tell us about the next one on the list. So we we've had four of the of the six. What's the the next one was all around change, isn't it? Yeah, again, which actually kind of the conversation around leadership fits with that. You know, we we've got to be comfortable with change. So first up, salespeople, we're change agents. Mm. Yeah, you know, we want customers usually to do something different. Mm. Yeah, and so we've got to be comfortable in the fact that they are going to be going through some change. We've got to understand it, and if we can't deal with it ourselves, what right have we got to be asking someone else to? Yeah, you know, and the better we understand it, the better we're then able to challenge status quo and to understand what somebody goes through when there is change. Yeah, again, and this is where yeah we're used to this stuff. This is what we do. This is what we sell. We know these are the processes, and it's transformational and great. But that's pretty uncomfortable for people that aren't used to it or not used to it in the thing that you're doing. Yeah, you know, they go through this kind of anger and denial and all that kind of thing, don't we? It's all sort of bargaining and getting their heads around it to accepting it. And then recognizing where people are in that cycle, mm. we can adapt our behavior and just serve them better, if you like. And again, it's not being subservient. It's just helping them to do what they do or need to do in a way that's going to make most sense. So, yeah. I mean, I, again, big one. All these things, they just talk to me as, as a professional salesperson. And the last one is having a future orientation. Mm. You know, we should be making decisions and doing stuff based on what where we're going, mm. not where we've been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't ignore the past but you don't make all your decisions based on what we did before mm-hmm. you know we let's think about where we're headed what that looks like what is that vision what's you know the shared vision the mutual yeah. benefit we're going to be getting from this and let's make decisions based on that mm-hmm. you know let's plan based on that let's look at you know the outcomes the plan to get there yeah and again a good salesperson can say look let me take control of that i will put the mutual account plan i'll put the outcome engagement plan together i'll drive this i'll keep control of it Mm. Not gonna do it all. No, mm. not my job. But you know, I will, I will make sure. I will enable. It. I'll make sure this stuff's happening. That's what I can bring. Now, I think this is very much in your in, in your sphere more more than mine. I think this it, is account management stuff. <laughs> they can add huge value in this area. Absolutely, and and yeah, I come back to the point you made just now around you know you talk about selling, but of course, account management is much like so. Account management is sales. It's, your sales is an all encompassing profession, actually, which is really, as I say, all about looking after our customers, whether they are 
old or new, existing or never heard of us before. And it's about, you know, innovating with them. It's collaborating with them so that there is a win-win outcome. So sales is the all-encompassing umbrella, really, for, for what we talk about. And I love this notion of PQ. And it's been, as you say, you know, it's not new. It's been around for a long time. And yet for many of our listeners, they'll know about IQ, they might know about EQ, the emotional intelligence piece, of course, but PQ might be something that they've not heard of before. And yet, you know, if I was looking at it, you know, on a piece of paper and we'd listed out those six things, I'd be thinking to myself, how can I assess myself and my relationships and my key account partnerships against those six areas to find out where my uh, I was immediately going to say the word weakness there, and I don't like the word weakness. I prefer blind spot because it suggests something that we can do and change. Um, but where are those blind spots? Where are the bits that we can you know, focus on this month or this week or this quarter to strengthen and get better at? And so I think you know, PQ for me is a, is a wonderful tool that should and could be used within account managers and account teams to assess the quality of the qualities in our partnering ability. How would you, if you know, you, you, we've got sales leaders and, and account management leaders listening to our show today, if you were them, Fred, or you were advising them today, where should they start in picking the thing that they're going to do differently tomorrow that could make a difference in their PQ with their important customers? Well, they could start by clicking the link that we'll share with them that gives them an assessment so they can find out exactly what their <laughs> score is on that if you want. There you go. <laughs> is that what you're angling for? Were you angling for a little freebie there? I might as well have just <laughs> said, can you give for, I guess, a shameless plug here, uh, uh, Fred? But no, they're, 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 you're right. No. There is a tool that, that, that listeners can use, right? No, so, so we'll give them the tool. And the point of doing the tool is that you'll get your own understanding of it mm. based on quite a broad, definition of these things but the way that i would get people to do this is to say okay well these are what the elements are you know they'll get the feedback off doing that so they get more of a write upon it than just listening to me very quickly describing a couple of these things but the point is is to go well okay that's trust but what does trust like mean for us in our organization mm. the way we interact with our customers yeah you know what does good look like you know what is trust building you know let's let's define that right now let's compare ourselves against that yeah. Mm. And let's take that and let's I, I'm quite a fan of being quite overt with this. Yeah. So you're going through all the elements and saying, look, these are what we've defined. And I think you honestly when I say overt, you could go to customers and say, look, this is the stuff that we're looking at. This is what we're training ourselves in. This is how we want to operate. Will you join us on this? Because it does take two to tango. And if mm. you understand these elements and we define this stuff together and we commit to working with it. Mm. I mean, yeah, you're on the step to really good partnering anyway. Mm. And, and and it's funny, I was I was I was advising a client I was working with the other day. I said, look, just tell them that you are trained in this stuff. So what do you mean? I said, look, they've said that they want to partner with an organization. They're an engineering consultancy, okay? They want to partner with an organization to help them do their stuff better. Yeah. And they're gonna to talk to you and they're gonna to talk to two others. And you're gonna say what? And they're gonna say, well, we're gonna say we've got good people, we're gonna say we've really got good software, we've got really good uh uh, equipment we've got good i said okay yeah do you know the guys across the road and their competitors are literally across the road right. yeah they're not going to be saying oh you're not talking to them are you oh no their software's better than ours their people are better than ours their equipment's better than ours they're going to hit exactly the same thing i mean literally exactly the same thing yeah because you all say the same thing in this industry mm -hmm. so as soon as you say right we've got all this stuff which you'd expect us to 
of course we have. That's why you're talking to us. Yeah, we've explained that to you in the past. However, what we're doing now is we really want to partner with people. When we say partner, we want to partner properly. So we're actually understanding what partnering is. We've come across this concept of PQ. We're training our guys in it. So the people are on the project with you. Yeah, they will be up and running and working with you better because they'll know how to build relationships and work accordingly. Yeah. So they'll be doing that anyway. If you want to join us with it, and yeah, and we can, we'll fund the training. We'll do, of course, I told them to do that, but <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but we, we will do that and we will make that part of our offer. Mm. That offer is now different. It's different because mm. it's A, got something different in it. But when you're talking about partnering, you're not just throwing the word around. Cause it, for me, it does get thrown around a lot. Yes. Just yeah. sounds, oh, yeah, you'll be, you'll be our gold partner, our silver partner, our bronze partner. Yeah. What have I done for that? Because the behaviors, the things that we're doing and I'm getting doesn't seem any different. Yeah. Actually demonstrating that is what partnering means to us and that's what we want to do with it, as well as all the other good stuff that yeah. we do. Right, you've got a little bit of a differentiator there. You're right. It does get banded around a lot, the the word partner or partnership. Um, and it's one of those things I always say, you know, it's easy to say that you're a partner. It's not so easy to justify it under a microscope. Um, and that's what we have to do. We've got to justify it. We've got to, uh, you know, actually not just laminate these qualities and stick them on the wall in the office somewhere so we can all read them. We've got to live them in the business. We've always got to be living that pursuit of trusting two-way relationships. We've got to live that pursuit of win-win outcomes. We've got to live interdependence even you know, within our business and then with our customers and the different departments there. We've got to have that transparency that you've spoken about. We've got to be comfortable with change ourselves, and we've got to be thinking about the future rather than spending every day looking backwards uh, to the past. So, you know, it isn't just about listing them. We've got to live them. And I think that's a really lovely way of sort of summarizing so that we can reflect and think about our relationships and whether where we're doing well and where we could be doing better. It's time for the Camcast Killer Question. I always like listeners to reflect on the conversations that we have on this podcast. And and I ask our guests, and uh, we didn't talk about this before we started recording, but I'm going to put you on the spot in the hope that you've got a great question up your sleeve as such. But we have our killer question segment on the show. And the killer question really, as listeners know, is designed to get them thinking about their world, their business, their customer relationships. So if you were asking our listeners a question today that gives them a moment of pause, a moment of reflection, what would your killer question be for them, Fred? Right. So I'm going to relate it back to PQ mm-hmm. and those elements that we've just talked about. And the, the question would be that why would you not do that? And it's not a kind of what's the worst could happen. It's just like if those, those things, they cannot not make you better at what they do. And if you're genuine about wanting to do that and be as best as you can, why would you not embrace these things? Yeah. If you're happy being average, okay, be average. But if this is something that is going to elevate it, and that's what we've just spent you know, 10 minutes talking about, why would you not do that? Yeah. Raise your PQ. And if you don't yeah. want to, fine. But why would you not want to? That's that, exactly. That's really what you're, 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 you're edging at there. And I, I love that. I think it's... Um, yeah, personal development and all of the Qs have got to be there: the IQ, the EQ, and 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 the PQ. They're related; they're cousins. And you've got to have I. You've got to have. You do actually have to have I EQ to have I PQ. Right. So, sure. Yeah. Well, you you've got to have that element of wanting to learn and wanting to develop. You've got yeah. to you've got to be able to assess and reflect on your own uh, skills and your own values. Tell us about the future a, a little bit. 
That sounds like a really <laughs> big question. All right. Okay, <laughs> just the a, numbers for the lottery on Saturday are going just, to be... Just as it came go, out of my mouth. PG, they don't need to do any more work. I'm going to tell you the lottery numbers. How about that? <laughs> as I said it, as I said it, Fred, I was like, that's a hell of a big question. Um, what I meant well, by that is... you know, we've got we're, a minute. <laughs> well... We're, we're talking about being future oriented and, and, and you and I both work with, you know, dozens and dozens of, of different businesses and different industries. And we're really looking at their sales and account management practices, processes, and trying to understand what's going on within their customer base. And um, you'll have some thoughts around what's next in the world of account management and the world of sales relationships. So, so yeah, you've got 60 seconds to, <laughs> to tell us what's next in the world of account management and sales. Good people, good things in a good way. Yeah. Right. However, that's what we started off with. That's where we are now. I'm going to predict the future slightly scarily, perhaps, by adding one word into it. Mm. Fewer people, fewer good people. Mm. Or two words, actually. Fewer very good people doing good things in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were chatting before we came on there about how, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm labeling it hybrid selling. So this this way of bringing in lots of different competencies that somebody's going to have to have to really be able to do this sales, this business development, this key account management role, the stuff that they're going to have, they're going to have to be really up to speed on a number of different things. Yeah. You, you can't carry on just doing the bare minimum, I don't think. Mm. You know, I, I gave the drum analogy, didn't I? Where if, you, if, you're, if you're getting away now, just tapping away on a little snare drum, that's fine for now. But very quickly, people are going to say, look, you need more drums in your drum kit. Yeah. You need to be playing more and having this more variety to be an interesting performer. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to have all of these things that you can tap away on and just play. And maybe you only play one part of that drum kit once every now and again, but that is the bit you need to play at that time yeah. to do the right thing. Because I think some jobs will be ugh, taken by robots is a bit dramatic, but you know, some of the heavy lifting will be done in other ways yeah. that the human element we're going to need to be more capable at playing some of those parts and yeah that, that, that mm -hmm. drum kit analogy is how i how i picture it yeah so that's the future thing you know still good people good things good way but yeah. it's probably fewer of them yeah who are good people and they're, they're doing very very good things because the way they're doing it is very very good uh, going with your drum analogy there you know synthesizers have been around for a long time but actually the, the the wonderful things in music was when you can mirror and what you can bring together a synthesized track with live uh drums as on top and you can you can marry the two together so i i i, I love the idea of um yeah technology isn't new it's evolving it's developing it's here we've got to embrace it and we've got to utilize it to maximize our output and that probably does mean yeah, fewer people, fewer very good people doing good things, you know, in the, for, for, for good reason and all of that. So, Fred, thank you so much for joining us today on Camcast. We could talk about this till the cows come home. Um, so I just before you write, I hope we haven't finished on a bit of a downer because it's not meant to be that. <laughs> I want, no, it, okay, if you're saying it's a downer, you're probably glass half full, yeah? Yeah. Or half empty, but if it's, if your glass are full, this is great. Well, I'm going to become one of those good people then, because yeah. actually there's huge opportunity to really make a massive difference. So, I mean, this should be definitely embraced. So, and, well, for, and for me, take the technology. Well, that was a good podcast till he came in all miserable at the end. And we're all <laughs> well, technology for <laughs> me can point? never be can never be doom and gloom. Uh, you know, all things, all things that can be systemized and automated and developed so that they're repeatable and consistent. I think that's only a great opportunity. So, I. I 
I love where where things are going with with technology. Like I say, we could talk about this forever. For for listeners, just so you know, Fred and I talked for nearly two hours before remembering that we were supposed to record a prod podcast today. So if only we'd have recorded the other uh, two hours, and we would have had a good three hours worth of content uh, that we could have diced up into several episodes. But nevertheless, uh, Fred, I'm sure you'll be back on the show at some point, and we'll talk more about this. If listeners want to get in touch and, and, and meet with you. Um, I imagine, like most guests, LinkedIn is the place to find you, the easiest place to find you. So Fred Copestake um, on LinkedIn, is is that the best way? Or am I assuming do you have a better way? You prefer par- carrier pigeons, maybe. I don't know. LinkedIn's a good one. I mean, I, <laughs> I, um, it's, it's quite a good name like mine. It's at Fred Copestake on pretty much every social channel. But Excellent. LinkedIn is, is the one that most people, I guess, would, uh, would be able to find me there. Awesome. Fred, thank you so much for joining us today on Camcast. No, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I wonder what's resonated with you after listening to our conversation today. Perhaps you're considering what partnering qualities and skills you and your team are demonstrating with your key account relationships. Perhaps you're seeing one or all of the big challenges that the team are facing today. As Fred describes, are your team displaying busy, busy, busy behaviours, where busyness is getting in the way of business? Are they thinking in the oldie-worldy ways and struggling to see new and change as a force for good and opportunity? Or do they have a muddled mindset where the focus switches as we get closer to month end and the targets take over? Are we, as the leaders of the team, holding ourselves accountable for these challenges and what are we doing to develop a better culture across our people? How do you feel about the notion that the customer isn't in fact king, despite the old saying, and that we should see them as respected peers who are there to work with us to deliver mutually beneficial win-win growth? It's always nice to talk with comrades on a shared mission, and Fred and I are privileged that we get to work with organisations to drive change and support organisations in their quest to deliver profitable partnerships with their most important customers. So I hope that you enjoyed our conversation today as much as I did. Do get in touch with us and let us know what you took from the episode and also what questions that you would like answering on future shows. Thank you for listening to this episode of Camcast, a podcast brought to you by camguru.com, one of the UK's leading key account management consulting and training organizations. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with your connections, giving us a review on your chosen podcast app and letting us know what else you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can find the show notes for this episode on the website at camguru.com forward slash podcast.